Money on the couch. Yeah. Money, honey. Think you have any notion of the true strengths and depths of the opposition to our work? There's a whole medical establishment, of course, baying to send Freud to the auto da fe. But that's just nothing compared to what happens when our ideas begin to trickle through in whatever garbled form they're relayed to the public. The denials, the frenzy, the incoherent rage. The more money you make, the more problems you get. Studio B at the McCoy Manor. What's up, I'm Jason McCoy alongside my partner in crime, Nelson Boyer. And we are the cast of Put, Put on, on the, the Couch. Yes, indeed. 21st century philosopher, buddy. Yeah, a little. Puff Daddy. Notorious B.I.G. Absolutely. Rest man. in Absolutely. peace, Biggie. Rest in Amen. peace. Amen. Amen. More money, more problems. That's on the today's truth. episode, truth, we're going to investigate that age old question, right? Yeah, yeah please. Let's talk about money. Religion says uh, money's the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. That's what the Bible says. Don't Bible me. Yeah, but Gordon Gecko from Wall Street said what? It says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And Gordon Gecko talks about money like a what? Like a lover. On a daily basis, I consume enough drugs to sedate Manhattan, Long Island, and Queens for a month. Okay, Mr. Jordan. Money doesn't just buy you a better life, better food, better cars. It also makes you a better person. You can give generously to the church or political party of your choice. Talks about money as a woman. And, of course, uh, remember Jerry Maguire. What did Jerry Maguire say? Show me the money. Show me the money. Keep he asked his agent to show him the show money. The qualm. Well, look, about 10, 13 years ago, there was a lot of uh, new research looking at this relationship between what all of us warm-blooded Americans know, what anybody who loves capitalism knows. Yeah. That money makes you happier, right? But that's not what Nobel Prize-winning economist Danny Kahneman and his colleague Angus Deaton found. In fact, they found that, turns out, if you've already got a lot of money, then chances are it's not a good return on your investment to go to work and work longer hours or work harder. We have more stuff, but we have less time for the things that really make us happy. Friends, family, leisure time. We're working harder than ever. Some analysts say we have less leisure time than any time since feudal society. Probably want to spend your time doing things, as we talked about in the last episode, right? I guess that depends on how you look at money. I mean, you could look at it as sustenance or as a means to acquire it, or you can look at it as scorekeeping. Shortly after World War II, retailing analyst Victor LeBeau articulated the solution that's become the norm for the whole system. He said that we convert the buying and use of goods into rituals, that we seek our spiritual satisfaction, our ego satisfaction in consumption. We need things consumed, burned up, replaced, and discarded at an ever-accelerating rate. President Eisenhower's Council of Economic Advisors chairman said that the American economy's ultimate purpose is to produce more consumer goods. Yeah, well, if you um, 
don't have any money, however, what Kahneman found was, well, let's say you start out at 10000 That's not hardly enough money to, to take care of your needs, let alone any of your wants, right? There right. don't be any extra for recreation. Not unless you're, like, big in the Bazooka Joe five-cent gum. <laughs> yeah. if, that's your, if that's your jam. But a little bit of money, in that case, can go a long way. So people at the bottom of the money category have a lot of improvement that they can make with just a little extra. Jason, when we were talking about this coming in, you had mentioned something that I found really interesting, mm -hmm. and that was uh, sort of money as a kernel. Money is sort of a gateway into uh, happiness, but not the supplier of happiness. Oh, right? yeah. So what were you talking about? You're talking about the um, Norwegian playwright Heinrich Isben. That's who you were talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah. here's one of his uh, refrains or stanzas. I don't know much about poetry. I'll leave that up to my lit majors and aficionados but he writes let me conclude this essay with money maybe the husk of many things but not the kernel it brings you food but not appetite medicine but not health acquaintances but not friends servants but not faithfulness mm. days of pleasure but not peace or happiness i think that's interesting sort well, of like a Sort of like a lubricant, a happy lubricant, right? Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Yeah, it makes it easier. Yeah. So. Of course, Hillary Bellick, whoever that is, said, uh, I'm tired of love. I'm still more tired of rhyme, but money gives me pleasure all the time. Oh, all right. Again, I think a lot of these rappers that I have enjoyed throughout my life rap about, first of all, what's really going on in their life, past, present. That's right. And uh, many of these guys and gals were, you know, destitute for most of their childhood. And they write about, you know, making it, and money's a big part of their their idea of making it, I guess. Again, yeah, but if you start with nothing, uh, a little bit of money is a hell of a lot. But yeah, but like we just heard from 21st or 20th century philosopher, Notorious B.I.G., yeah. more money, more problems. So what would you do, you know, if you had uh, 99 problems and you were rich? I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, do you really think uh, these guys, these rappers are happier than the people who become forest dwellers and go out and find themselves? These Buddhist monks and Hindu monks who really try to explore the meaning of spirituality and purpose. Do you think they're happier? I mean, how, how do we even begin to quantify it? Well, you know, but they have less problems. Interesting question. How do we begin to quantify it? For, again, the past 10 or 15 years, social psychologists, including Dan Gilbert at Harvard in the Hedonics Lab, interesting title of his lab, along with Kahneman and one of his harshest critics from uh, Penn's Wharton School of Business, Killingsworth, back in 2021, used a smartphone app they called Track My Happiness. This thing would ping volunteers throughout the day for a couple of months and basically just ask them several times a day, you know, how are you feeling? How are you doing? On a scale from I'm miserable to I'm extremely happy right now. What they found was an interesting relationship between how much money these people made yearly and how much satisfaction they reported on average across this little time series experiment. And what they found was, again, True to form, a lot of people who were making sixty to ninety thousand dollars reported 
pretty good bit of happiness. People who earned significantly less than that, not as much happiness. But um, after $123,000, there was no material difference. Couldn't see any increase in happiness for those that made over one twenty-three. So maybe the key is just having enough money to take care of all of your needs Most with, of your with, with, a, with a few wants yeah, thrown in there. there. You, go. you know, I, I was also thinking about just historically, have people really made a lot of money? I mean, there's been a handful of people historically, but it's all relative, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You always compare yourself to your neighbor. Yeah, or your brother-in-law. As you mentioned, yeah, in my case, my brother-in-law. Well, today I want to turn... I must have manifested a rich brother-in-law or something yeah. to feel bad about myself. Well, I want to turn in our next episode to some externalities, some environmental stimuli, some Ooh, forms of entertainment. I'm there. I want to focus on hedonism a little bit, man. Sex. Rock and roll. Or, oh, man. Or if you're, you're not of that persuasion, maybe pets. <laughs> Preach, no. preach. I love it. All right.